0: Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi wild
2: cherry also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi wild cherry and get wild.
0: That cold case you're listening to nasty stuff, but you know what else is a crime missing? Even a moment of whatever you're doing
3: to go on a drink run. Luckily there's drizzly the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today.
2: With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band.
0: Next up for lead guitar. You're in.
2: Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 70th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London rock podcast. Recorded right here in central London, just off historic Abbey Road. A proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network, which you can find at pantheonpodcast.com or at Pantheon Pods. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in to last week's show on Pink Floyd's A Momentary Lapse of Reason. I know that a lot of Pink Floyd fans don't even consider that a proper Pink Floyd album because it doesn't have Roger and you don't want to slit your wrists after listening to it. But it was important for me and Jackson. We got a lot of positive feedback on the web and and from folks who enjoyed the show. So we appreciate that. Uh, It's 35th anniversary is coming up a little bit later this year. March is International Women's History Month. And to that end, we thought we would put together a show of women who rock. I know that it's kind of a male dominated industry, but the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of great female rock acts and women in this business for sure. Nita Strauss just got to the top of the American charts for the first time, and I think it was 25 years that a woman, solo woman, had held that. Another you know, the Warning Band and Plush are a couple of up-and-coming bands that are really good. And so we've got a couple of women on today, different fields, who we think need some attention. First up is Amanda Lehman. And from this show, you know Amanda. We've had her on before. She's a fantastic musician, singer, songwriter. She's toured with Steve Hackett, and I got to see her live in London here last year. Her album Innocence and Illusion was fantastic, and she's got a new single out called One Last Spin. It's got a good cause attached to it, so we're going to talk to Amanda a little bit about that, but also talk to her about some things that we didn't get to cover last time, including not only her involvement in a heart tribute band, but a little time that she spent with Asia King Crimson family UK Uriah Heep lead vocalist John Wetton. And second, we've got Ann Estella. She's a rock journalist with a great social media presence and a kind of a fireplug, you know, she's got a lot to say and she's got a great attitude and she's out there finding new bands and covering festivals and trying to shed some light on what's the best experience for the fans and bands out there. She got a little heat recently from an article she posted about a festival that maybe wasn't living up to its end of the bargain, and we can get a little into that on the show for sure. But she's a, she's quite a character. She's a fun interview, uh, and I hope you're going to like what she has to say to you here. As usual, we've got to plug. Please download and subscribe anywhere you like to get your podcast. where it's Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, Anywhere you get it, please do. And think about, if you like it, consider giving us a positive review. Not only does it help us find more rock fans like you, but we might just read it on the show. So a couple of great interviews with a couple of amazing women. Let's get into it right here. First up, it's going to be Amanda Lehman, then Anastella. We're talking women who rock here on The Wolf. Oh, there she is. Hello. Hi, Amanda.
1: Hi, yeah.
2: Welcome back to the
1: show. Yes. Nice to be back again. It seems like no time ago since I last talked to you. Well, it kind of—it
0: kind of wasn't very long ago. I will admit,
2: but it but, wasn't. Uh, was it?
1: But yeah, time just flies,
0: doesn't it? I apologize. I'm not wearing a suit and tie today, but it's—it's it's more. <laughs> no, I
1: know. Yes. What? What? I mean, the standards are slipping. <laughs>
0: well, I'm actually technically on vacation. We're actually together in London.
1: Ah, have you been to a certain gig then?
0: Is that why? <laughs> He—he he, all right. So he's here with his family.
2: But the, I, was at a, I was at a certain gig on Friday night at the O2, waving goodbye to some people that, that you know, you may be familiar with. I'm not going to get into the details, but I will just say that the gig that I saw at the Palladium with you this fall was much better value and a lot more fun and every bit as good musically as the one I saw Friday without naming any names.
1: Cool, so. cool. Well, that, that's that's great. <laughs> um,
2: not not to downgrade or denigrate anybody or speak ill of people who have bad health, but just say, tell Nads, I will see him sing those songs before anybody else in the world anytime.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's nice. That's grand.
2: But we only have, you know, we don't have as much time as we do last time, so obviously we want to uh, just see how you're doing in the last couple months since we spoke and talk about your latest single, which is kind of part of a... A big cause and a big project out of Scotland, yes?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One last spin.
2: One last spin. And it's a beautiful song. Kind of has a Baroque sound to it.
0: Was this a project that, do you have some kind of connection to the subject matter, or was it just something you were interested in?
1: Well, it's a a funny thing, because I've never really been hugely aware of it, Mm -hmm. uh, of the whole thing of gambling. And i have done an interview last year with uh, Sylvia Fountain, radio presenter, and after the interview, we were chatting about this, that, and the other, and the subject came up because she is involved with these guys who have now done a documentary about it called one last spin and so she was talking to me about uh, about that and i was sort of interested and we got onto the subject of, of how gambling can affect people and i think i hadn't realized the scale of the problem i i knew of it distantly but i it kind of brought it to the forefront of my mind and i was quite shocked mm. and as the conversation went on i said look you know well i'm having help I'll, I'll write a song for this." And that's kind of how that started. And they were really keen for me to use the title, which which works brilliantly for a song anyway, because of the whole spinning kind of theme of, of gambling. And so basically, yeah, that, that's how it started. I didn't have any uh, knowledge of it at all. So I had to go away and research because <laughs> I didn't want to write a song just... On what I assumed it was all about, and I wanted to really kind of watch videos people had released, you know, talking about it, reading about it, and I really kind of got into the whole psychology of of it as an addiction in itself. It was it was quite an eye opener. It really was, and now I'm just noticing on you know on the TV or or on the internet wherever. there's so many gambling adverts and luring people in all the time. It's, you know, sport, it's frightening. It's, it's and on frightening.
2: the high street, right? You go walk down the high street, yeah. there's a couple betting parlors to go into. I'm like, that's different.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, un- unfortunately, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> in the United States, I think that it is not it's not treated as well as it should be. I mean, if you if you're addicted to alcohol or drugs... I think people are, are much more sympathetic, but gambling is just as big of a problem. But unfortunately, it just doesn't get the press that it deserves because yes. yeah, it's it it will ruin people pretty easily. And to your point, yeah. I mean, if you if you pay attention, there's stuff all over the place, especially now. I mean, we have we have all kinds of sports gambling in the United States on the internet, and you know we have cities built on gambling. So yeah, it is it's it's, it's something that needs to be brought to light and uh, and yes. maybe yeah. People made
1: aware of. Yeah, I think that's very true. It is like building awareness because it isn't one of those addictions or or you know lures that people get into these these cycles. It's not one of the ones that is most known about, you know, I wasn't hugely aware of it, and I think that there is a lot of stigma around it, and and I think with things like alcohol or drugs, you know, it's a substance, so you can say. Oh, well, yeah, I got hooked on it, which mm-hmm. kind of to a certain extent takes the responsibility off yourself. Whereas I think that with things like gambling, is it, there isn't neat. In the sense, it's not a, a substance, so you can't say it's in my body right. and I'm addicted to, like, the nicotine. It, it, so it, it actually, I think, is a lot harder for people a to accept them, you know, what is happening within themselves and and be decent to themselves, but also the stigma around it. People say, "Well, they should just stop, shouldn't they?" Or what a silly thing to do, you know. And, and I think that there's a lack of understanding. Right. that this. I think
0: the other problem is too. Like, if I showed up here intoxicated or on drugs, you would say there's something, but I mean, I could have just been standing on the street corner, gambling all my life savings away. And you'd have never known it. Yeah. So I think it's it's something that you can oh, keep yeah. a lot more hidden than other conditions.
1: So. Yes, and I think along with that comes a huge sense of isolation that people feel because they are alone. It's hidden. Mm-hmm. They nobody knows it's going on, and uh, you know they can be getting into worse and worse and worse situations. And this is you know the classic sort of thing that, that everything just falls apart with with debts, and they can't run away from it anymore. But I think that the isolation that is felt is is huge with this particular
0: situation mm-hmm. When you decided to take on this project, did you have ideas for a song in your head or did you start from did you start from scratch on this one?
1: Well, initially, I, I, I had an idea for writing a song about addiction anyway, which I will write anyhow. And I've got a lot of sort of uh, prep already done for that. And I think the more I thought about this, the more I thought, actually, no, I'm going to write an entirely new song for this. So this. This needs a different treatment rather than a general one. So... Yeah, I did start from scratch on it. But I think that because I was was doing sort of research and watching things, I think that gave me feelings and ideas, and those started, you know, words rolling around. And I thought quite early on of the whole waltz type of feel to it, which is a kind of a very around. And you're spinning around, yes. Yeah, the relentless wheel of fortune. And that sort of was very early on that I started to knit. The, the words into that but it did I did have to spend quite a long time getting the balance of it right and getting the message across but also getting it across in a palatable way you know so you're not turning people off you're drawing them in to the song and into the subject and then um, the, you know ho- hoping that that will kind of give an idea of, of, of what is going on with this thing
2: I was going to say the film itself I mean is that coming out later this year is that going to be in limited release is it already out Like, what's the story as far as the release of the film
1: well the film there is a trailer released at the moment which uh, there, there are links to the film itself is not released to the public yet because they're going to be showcasing this with sort of a Events that that are all to do with th- this whole uh, situation, and then once those um, dates are, are all completed, uh, then that will then be on public release to watch. But yes, there is a, a documentary trailer, it's and a any information you can find for this is on One Last Spin dot Vision. So there's actually a website set up. For this, that uh, that you can always go look at, and the the link to the trailer is on that. So, yes, it's the same name. One last spin. Dot Vision. I've not heard of a Dot Vision before. But there (laughs) you go.
2: All right. Well, did you do everything on this track? Did you sing, play all the instruments, produce it? Did did anybody help you arrange it? Is it all you?
1: It started off as all me. (laughs) I. have i wrote it all arranged it all put it all together i uh, recorded the vocals and the guitar and then i sent it off to mr nick magnus there you go who i work so well with you know i just so enjoy working with him and i've said to nick Look, i'm doing this project i'd love your treatment on this are you interested yes yeah absolutely so i sent um you know the, my completed works over and we chatted about the kind of thing that I was thinking and that he was thinking and the whole sort of you know like little touches of fairground and and the whole sort of idea of a sort of like a string like a string quartet Mm -hmm. a little bit waltzy a little bit again a little bit Tim Burton in there you know a little bit sort of Unusual. I heard that. uh, Definitely, it did. uh, Yes, yeah, there is about that slightly, slightly mad sort of off kilter thing that you can imagine.
0: That seems like it comes in um, more at the end. Like it seems like it's building more. Like things are getting more chaotic, more off the rails as the (laughs) song progresses. And you can kind of, if if you really listen to the lyrics, you can tell this person is is getting. It kind of starts off okay, but then we're getting farther and farther into the, yeah, we're just, we're going down the
1: spiral.
2: Spinning out. Yeah.
1: Spinning out of control. Absolutely. You're dead right. And I'm really glad that you say that because that shows that the music has communicated that because it gets madder, doesn't it? And it's all spinning. Everything's all spinning around. And yeah, Nick Magnus picked up really well on all of that. Enhanced because I'd done spitty vocals, and then he enhanced that with with everything he put into it, and obviously did his engineering on it as well. And and he, he sent it back to me like, "Oh, I don't know what you're going to think of this. I really hope you like it." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I love it. It's absolutely spot on." So it, yeah, so happy with what he did
0: and, and with that's, that. That's a nice part, I guess, about working with somebody like that. Like they just—you don't really have to communicate. Like they just get what you want to do or where you're trying to yeah. go with it. Yeah. yeah. There's, I can't imagine there's anything yeah, else absolutely. than just fighting. Like you get it back like, no, this isn't anything what I want. Right. <laughs> you just... <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, because there's always that nervous that when you get something at you, or, or you know, if I do something for someone and send it, you're like, oh God, <laughs> I, I like it. Why it's so subjective, isn't it? So yeah, there's always that slight sort of nervousness when you're when you're particularly you're working remotely. So you haven't been thrashing it out in the same studio together. Right. Uh, yeah. You don't of, have open a silence.
0: Yeah. You don't. You don't have that real time. Uh, interaction with, you know, hearing it exactly at that point in time and saying either yes or no. So, yeah, it's like a present you're opening up like, I hope I like this. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yes, I know. It's really nerve-wracking. I think presents, isn't it? <laughs> the person who's giving it to you is looking at you like, oh, I, know, I've got, I really hope I like this. Gift.
2: <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, I think it's a really good cause because it seems to me that gambling's becoming more mainstream in ways you know it's almost like this is a little legitimate business like you're not watching football and they say come down to the corner and score some heroin you know that they, they, they can't do that on TV but they could say yeah come to Patty Power or come down you know to the track or whatever and I, I don't know when the lottery started here in the UK but i have grocery stores a block away that all sell lottery tickets and i remember the lottery started to become big in the 80s in America and that's also where you started to see the middle class and the lower class getting squeezed because rich people don't buy lottery tickets. Only people who like, if I buy enough lottery tickets, I might win and that could change my life, you know. Also, it used to be you could only baby gamble in Vegas or maybe on a cruise ship or something like that. Now... Most states have gambling boats or gambling parlors. Like, well, if we can make money and we can give the profits to education, oh, okay, great. But it can ruin a lot of families, this gambling, and big businesses get in it to make money. But what's it do to the communities? I I think it's a bigger problem than people want to admit.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's a huge problem, and it's just in every corner. It's just everywhere you look. You know, that's why I said demons at my door. It's just, it's everywhere. And yeah, as you say, you're not going to have have uh, somebody, you know, yes, yeah, saying come buy some heroin over here. It's, it's you're not going to have that, Mm-mm. and obviously, nor should you. And yeah, I, I think that gambling perhaps has a place. I don't know, does it? Doesn't it? I'm I'm not quite sure about that, but. I think it, the, there's no regulation that that I can see on it, and it, it does seem to be spiraling out of control. And more and more and more internet. Well, it's just you're just constantly bombarded with this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's frightening.
2: Yeah, and it's one thing if you had to go to an underground you know, Mahjong parlor to gamble. Now it's all on your phone. You know, it's just like checking a yeah. score. You can just boop, boop. I just, yeah, just gambled this week's wages. Hope I win them back. You yeah. know, that, that's just a little scary to me. Yeah. So I, I, I'm happy for you uh, to bring some light to this and, and to be part of a, a just cause, in my opinion.
1: Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think yes. it's, good to it's, also, it's yes. also
0: nice that, that the song is, It's got. it's a very serious subject. It's a very sad subject, but the music is almost, I mean, it fits, but it's not overly depressing. Like it, it really, it kind of, it, it yeah. balances it out, I guess is what I want to say. Like when I, when I heard yeah. it the first time, I kind of thought of like people dancing like in a big ballroom, mm-hmm. but then like yeah. things yeah. falling down behind them or explosions or something that's <laughs> like something is coming along. You just don't see it yet, but you're going to yeah. fall off the cliff very soon.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yes that is I definitely did have a dance hall kind of feel about it and and exactly I wanted it to be a song that was nice to listen to, that mm-hmm. people want to listen to. And in a funny sort of way, again, the gambling thing, hey, it's all lights, it's all nice, it's fun, come and play, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. have a good time. And then, woo, you know, the whole thing picks up and, it, yeah, as you say, it falls off the edge. And so if I'd start, I mean, I, I, when I started writing it, I, I gave it an introduction that was a bit like the end bit, which is kind of quite sort of a bit down and, and contemplative and, I recorded it and it was going to be there. And then I listened to it and I thought, I don't know. I don't want that. That's that's, that's not right. That's not that's the end that's not the beginning so I stripped it all out and started again what am I going to do and that's when I came up with the the idea of just doing the the vocals all on their own just just to sort of introduce the song and then the sort of slightly spinny vocals and then off you go so yeah it's very important I think to not just depress the hell out of people with something before you start it because you want the message to get across you want people to listen and and then to understand and become a a story and to to be drawn in
2: Definitely. And you know you're down five thousand. Well, one last spin, right? We can mm-hmm. get it all back. It's like, all that
1: that's the wrong right. mindset. Just, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hellish, really hellish.
2: Well, yeah. you looked amazing in the the photo shoot that you had that end up, I think, in Prague with the blue dress, holding your red guitar. Yes. I thought that that's a great shot. I'm going to use that on on Twitter if she lets me.
1: Yeah, excellent. Yes, yes, yeah. That's a pretty dress.
2: <laughs> yeah, you looked pretty amazing.
1: <laughs>
3: Hi, this is Christy Alexander-Halberg, author of the novel Searching for Jimmy Page, and you're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast.
2: <laughs> we're happy to talk more about the uh, the film and your, your song, but the fact of the matter is, the last time you were on, we didn't get to ask you all the questions that we wanted to. Um, oh, yes,
1: I do rapid <laughs> Yes.
2: And, well, anyone who knows our show knows that we are huge Asia fans and we love the late John Wetton. And oh yes, you've toured and and played and sung with John. So I guess we just kind of want to be little kids at your feet <laughs> and say how was John who we've loved since we were 9 years old? What kind of man was he? What was it like to play with him? Any stories that you can tell? We would we would love to to know more about the late great John Wetton.
1: Yeah, John. He's, John <laughs> Wett is just uh, he's such a nice guy, a really genuinely decent guy. So good to he hear. He was just so easy to get on with. I remember the first time I met him, we were rehearsing, and he came join he just joined in, and he was so laid back and unpretentious. There was nothing kind of you know mr big about him at all okay he was humble he was just so nice and he's also he he also had a a a wicked sense of humor as well really really funny guy as well we'd always have a laugh together good to hear and uh, i just really liked john i enjoyed any kind of musical association with him and i enjoyed chatting to him backstage and yeah a a thoroughly nice guy. so Very, very
0: sadly missed, yeah. Do you think maybe it had something to do with the fact that he he was a vocalist? That's probably what people know him for most, but he also was a musician, not that a vocalist isn't a musician, but he played the bass... And he, he was he was involved with making the music on the stage also. Do you think maybe that had something to do with him not being kind of like a diva because he was also part of the band? I, I don't know. Like It's interesting for me to see somebody who can do both of those things because I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. And to have somebody who can sing and play the bass at a high level – is pretty uh, pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it is. Yes, I think that I think that he's a, he he was a nice guy anyway. I think that I don't know, I'm, I'm sure there are people who can do that who are full of themselves, happy with um, themselves, yeah, as well as those that aren't. I think that yeah, I. I but he was also very talented in being able to do all those things. He was a multi instrumentalist, mm-hmm. and again, just very kind of laid back with that. Uh, he didn't sort of push himself forwards or anything. He was happy just to slot in, do do whatever. You know, it was very easy, but just such a good musician, so talented, and and just he had a presence about him as well. But again, it was a very natural presence. It wasn't a sort of big the big I am. It was he was very just had a very solid presence about him
2: yeah and that was about a decade ago or so that you you did some tours some, some shows with him
1: yeah that would have been um i'm trying to think the first time i met him was probably 2010 perhaps
2: okay he joined
1: I, us i think the first time was when he joined us i think we did a gig at the shepherd's bush okay. show in london might have been that one and he joined with it all along the watchtower that's great that's <laughs> so fun <I> <laughs> yes, Can we can we find
0: uh, recordings of that anywhere
1: i it's not recorded as such i think there are youtube's here and What's that okay. was that one actually that one that one i think was on one of the very first live dvd's that might be oh i will have to look that up or okay. you guys look at i i think it might have actually been one of the live dvds of steve hackett's live dvds so okay. i have to have a look it might be it might be there for posterity actually but if not there's youtube okay which, uh, which, yeah. which means I, I might have
2: it because i have bought everything yeah. steve's done the last 12 years it's just i don't have them all with me here in london so i can't just look them right. up um but of course <laughs> yeah, you, know, no, he, that, that might you know okay well and but of course i have the, the tokyo tapes that he made with Steve before uh, maybe you guys were were working together. But the Tokyo tapes yeah. that they did in Asia was amazing. You know, it was an amazing group of talent. But then to sing his own songs, to sing Kim Crimson, to sing Genesis songs with Steve, to do a little heat of the moment, that was special. And so I knew that Steve had known him and played with him. But when I saw on Twitter that you had also toured I'm like, well, we've got to get a hold of that, <laughs> man. we got to know about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> now... Now, yeah,
1: no, yeah, very enjoyable.
2: Yeah. Now, something else that we'd looked up, because we, um, we, we love American rock and roll, I'm actually going to be talking, we're going to be talking with Deborah Bonham next week, because she's got a great new album come out, a fellow Tenacity PR act. And I saw her open for Ann Wilson, Jeff Beck, and Paul Rogers. And okay. you have a little connection to heart in that you were in a heart tribute band, were you not?
1: I was yes, I was I was the part of Nancy Wilson, so that that oh, that was such fun. That was really good fun. That was I thoroughly enjoyed learning all those 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 parts. Nancy's always been one of my kind of icons anyway. Since like I was very young, um, with like listening to like Dreamboat Annie, mm-hmm. that album is I think one of my favourite heart albums. And uh, I've always thought that like you know the the guitar at the beginning of Crazy on You, that mm-hmm. acoustic. I thought, I've got to learn this. Yeah. It's not the kind of style I normally play, so it's great because I learned a lot by you know having to learn her parts. And that that was it was also fun because with with when you're playing prog music, you can kind of move around, obviously, but you, you gotta be. I think when I first joined Steve in the band, I was like, you know, and, and, <laughs> I, and I realised I had gone down a bit because everybody else you knows like. I think I'm um, just, yeah, I'm probably being quite annoying. I need to just, just <laughs> stop being quite so manic all the way through. So but with with something like Heart, you can fling your hair around and spin around and, right. and really, you know, just do all the glam rock things. So that was also fun. And the, the band that I played with were all really nice people, really good musicians, Lisa Fury, who... Uh, took the part of Ann Wilson. She, she's got an amazing voice, absolutely. You know, really full of gravel and very powerful. So it, it was—I think it was only about a year or so we did that because we were all busy and we just didn't really have the, the time to carry on with it. But we gigs—we so did just quite a lot of gigs with it. And we gigged like, like a couple of sort of biker festivals and it was just really really good fun <laughs> so was this, enjoyable was this
0: like 80s heart the look that you were going for
1: yes i just haven't so, got my hair i was gonna say I so there's a, a lot, lot of COVID.
0: hairspray going on there <laughs> right Right. right.
1: <laughs> probably, took you, probably took you probably took
0: him longer to get ready than actually play the show. play the gig yeah <laughs>
1: yeah it is that's right (laughs) what
2: was the name what was the what was the name
1: it was called Reckless Heart
2: Reckless Heart
1: Reckless Heart I'm
2: sorry I missed that
1: it is a shame (laughs) yes it was
2: good well Nancy is an inspiration and it's you know, she didn't just inspire women to be like, well, I can. she can play just like as well as the boys, then I can go out and do it. But I know a lot of young men who are like, well, I better at least be able to play as well as Nancy Wilson, so I better practice these hard songs, right? Because she can jam. And yes, they did well in the MTV era because Nancy's. Uh, yeah, I would say she's a beautiful woman. Um, yeah. it, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. It doesn't hurt the MTV, the glossy MTV years. But it, to last this long, it, it can't just be about your looks. You know, you, you have to deliver yeah. with the yeah. the goods, and they do.
0: Now I will say I saw yeah. it was Anne and Nancy, and I think Carrie Underwood, and it was like one of these like you know icon performances. And so I don't even remember what song it was. It was a hard song, but I don't remember which one. And Carrie Underwood was singing. And then Ann Wilson came in and was like, Go ahead and sit down, little girl. <laughs> she just just the power in her voice just <laughs> dwarfed her. And I was like, wow, like she had that I mean just blew her off the stage. Like that's yeah. a real performer, kids. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Tons of tons of charisma, tons of talent. And just power. And 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 then and then the power. thing was
0: but then you always had Anne as the as the lead singer but then they do these dreams and all of a sudden uh-oh now Nancy is the it can be the lead singer on a number one hit yeah. written by Bernie Taupin, yes. I think
1: yeah no, that's a lovely song I, yeah but it was one of the ones we we covered in the band so that was my lead vocal spot
2: <laughs> are there any youtube uh, videos of of reckless heart out there
1: Oh, uh, probably, but they. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these things like, got, like, you know, the, the sound is, is all like naffed up and yeah, know, and there's nothing I'd go, oh, there's this one actually. It's a shame because it, it would have been lovely actually to get some really good, we, we were going to actually put together some proper footage of it, but again, it's just time and sure we didn't prioritize it enough. It's a shame because it, it was good.
0: well and that's what that's what stinks for for people like us because we we think every concert anywhere should have been recorded professionally so that you can put it out it's like okay we don't have the time we don't have the equipment we don't have the money to do this yeah I mean I I wish everything was available like that but unfortunately it's just sometimes it just doesn't happen like that no that's true
1: it doesn't thinking going back for a split second I think that it's live in Hammersmith not the latest but the the, the original live in Hammersmith live DVD Mm that's got all along the watchtower, John Wetton on it. I'm pretty okay. sure that's the one that's got that
2: on it. All right, well, so, well, we'll look for that. I we'll find that, that for sure. Yeah.
1: Like, suddenly, like my brain caught up with myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: that's okay. I was just curious. I mean, I, this is secondhand information coming from you, but I know that Joe and Steve and the band were in Poland recently. And right. uh, you know, obviously, the situation in Ukraine has got everyone just really upset and, and kind of unnerved about the future. It seems to me that the the Polish people have been very generous and gracious as far as letting millions of people into their country and trying to help those who have lost their homes. Can you give us a sense if you spoke with 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 them a little bit about what the feeling was in Poland during the few days they were there?
1: I think that there were all, well. I mean there was obviously a heightened awareness because you're particularly like Warsaw, you're very near to, to what's going on. That's right. It was quite strange. Um there were a lot, of, you know, a lot of people around who uh, were obviously escaping from there and there were there was just yeah, I think there was um an atmosphere of activity around mm-hmm. it but I, I think it was in a way I think they found it was more normal than they thought it would be they thought it would be more kind of like perhaps stressful or, scary
0: it's
1: scary but it everybody was kind of going along as normal so and I think that's what does happen isn't it that that you know you kind of carry on with your life and everything just fits in you readjust and carry on and I think that yeah I, I think they were doing a absolutely incredible job over there of helping people and Sadly, it uh, seemed to be rather difficult to get people over here mm-hmm. to help them. Uh, they were definitely not, it wasn't easy, you know, made easy to, to get them over here, which I, I think is a terrible shame. But yes, I think over there they are doing a huge amount. But yeah, I think the atmosphere was quite, it, it was it was heightened. And I would imagine that the uh, doing those shows over there as well w- was great for people because it, <laughs> it escape it gives you a lightness, doesn't escape. Mm-hmm. That's right, and and it's just something for people to just absorb themselves in and thoroughly enjoy and just be somewhere else for a while rather than thinking about this awful, awful situation over you know on their doorstep. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, I'm glad that because those dates I think had been rescheduled, so I'm glad we, you know they had to they could complete those dates. Of course, yes. then, then the band was supposed to go to Canada for about four days, and I guess there was a, someone had a positive test, so I'll uh, we'll have to reschedule yeah. those, right? <laughs>
1: That is a real shame. Yeah, it's one of those things you can't get over there. Someone's got COVID, so Mm -hmm. you know nobody on a plane is going to want that anyway. So yeah, it's it's a real shame. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like be careful, be careful, be careful, because yeah, and hopefully get out asap for the next lot of gigs as soon as as soon as it's uh, able. Well, they're
2: coming to Florida, and I think action here is going to see them in Florida. But we're already talking about. You know Fox trot at fifty. I believe it's October twelfth that you play Hammersmith. I have yep. one ticket, but he's like, Well maybe I'll fly over. I'm like, Well how am I gonna get the ticket next to me, yeah. man? I you know, they already sold those. Oh,
3: yes. that's true. Yes. Uh, but he
2: wants to see you, I think, is the point. He's like, I'll see the band and it'll be great to do seconds out, but I would like to see Fox at fifty and I'd love to see Amanda play. I'm like, All right, well,
0: yeah. and you. Fox a great record. I mean I'd I'd like to see it start to finish and yes, having you yep. there would yep. be an added bonus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I'll be there.
2: I mean, do you have any other Things. I mean obviously you'll be touring this fall and you say you're writing some songs and when we did our last interview with you on Innocence and Illusion you said yeah I've I've got some more stuff going on so anything this summer that we need to know about?
1: Nothing being released yet because I'm still working on it and I've also been working on some collaborations with, with people I promised last year and said but I can't do them yet. So, you know, I've got a bit of sort of a backlog of music that I'm working on that I've promised to work on, which is lovely because it's it's really exciting working on other people's projects as well because it kind of expands your mind a bit more sort of creatively. Good. Um, So... I'm at the moment a lot of the music for my next album is is in my head, but there's there's an awful lot of it. <laughs> so Good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this, yeah getting that uh, down on onto something uh, tangible and making progress with that so that will be I will keep you posted on that one.
2: <laughs> please do, please do and you're welcome back anytime you got something that you'd like to talk about? We love having you on. Excellent. Oh,
1: that's cool. That's Any- good. Because you guys are really good and you ask really interesting questions. It's just like really nice chatting to you. So thank you. Yeah, more people need to hear it.
2: Before we let you go, Amanda, can you give us the website for the one last spin movie one more time, please?
1: One last spin dot vision. Dot vision. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: So it's one last spin, all one word. One last spin dot vision so it's quite easy to remember actually if you can just remember the vision bit (laughs) that's the bit I forget
2: and you can be found at amandalayman.co.uk
1: yes that's my one yes amandalayman.co.uk
2: excellent all right well thank you kindly
1: yeah lovely to talk to you guys thank you
2: That was a fun chat with Amanda, our second chat with Amanda. We had a great chat with her a couple of months back, talking about her album Innocence and Illusion. It was great to be able to catch up with her on One Last Spin, her new single attached to the film of the same name about gambling addiction and the woes thereof. And I hope everyone can check out. Just great to be able to talk to her about playing with John Wetton. Anyone who's listened to this show from the beginning knows that we're huge Asia fans, and we try to work Asian in every show. It's pretty easy on this one, so we really appreciate her giving her time to us here today, and know that she's doing great. We shift gears now, though. We're going to talk to another woman in rock, and Estella, who is a rock journalist. Is a great social media presence and is covering a lot of different festivals around the UK this summer. And she likes to promote young new bands that maybe need the promotion that people haven't heard of but should. And we've been following her on social media for a while. So we thought we'd take the opportunity to sit down with Anne and get her to give us a little background on not only how she became a rock journalist, but what turns her on. What should we know about? What festivals do we need to know about? Which bands do we need to know about that we don't? So without further ado, let's get into our talk with Anna Stella here on The Wolf. Thank you, Anne. Welcome, Anne Stella, to the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. We've been uh, we've been following you on social media for a while, but that doesn't that doesn't make us unique. You have a very nice social media following, and you know you talk about the things you promote the kind of stuff that we love. You know, rock music and Good. concerts. Nice to hang up. Yeah. Festivals, things like that, and so we wanted a chance to kind of talk with you and, and get your perspective on a few things. You've, you've kind of made a name for yourself here, uh, certainly lately. You've gotten a little bit of press here lately with, with, with one of your reviews, which we'll absolutely want to get into. But you know, for our folks, maybe in America, I know you work for AMP, which is an American publication. But maybe you That's give us, a little, right, yep. uh, yeah, maybe you give us a little background on how I know you. you you're primarily, I think, you, you would say that you are a writer, but obviously you're a rock fan and you've helped promote a lot of bands and a lot of shows and festivals. So why don't you give us a little background on how you broke into becoming a rock journalist and kind of your journey into where you are now?
3: I, I love being asked this question because it's not a conventional journey. You know, I didn't study journalism at university or anything like that. I did modern languages with a strong emphasis on literature and linguistics. So I've always had that love for language to begin with. And initially I went into a, a writing job in corporate finance. Ah so, uh, Hey we, me too creative of areas for a writer and it was quite frustrating for me, you know, the set way of writing stuff there and and you couldn't really give any opinion, it was all very very much fact based Of course And you know I um, I went To cut a very long story short uh, Or a longish story short I, I ended up going To um, a gig a, a few years ago In Manchester uh, At a venue i would never heard of Because I had been out Of the, the rock scene For quite some time At that point Believing there was Nothing new out there Nothing good Or worth listening to As many people do Unfortunately at the moment Right And I have got a ticket For a gig Because it was a band That I used to love Back in the day When I was in London And it was called The Dogster Mall But now they're Tylers to more, and I thought wow they're they're like they're still going you know I mean I think they had stopped for some time but they were brought back you know reincarnated and I've got to go and see them so I had a ticket and I went to see them and while I was there of course I watched the um the support acts, and one of them was a fairly new band from Manchester that I'd never heard of before, called Gorilla Riot, and it just blew me away. Ah. And I decided I was going to write about about you know the, the gig, about uh, you know I'd never written a gig review before. Okay. Barely ever read one to be quite honest with you, but um, <laughs> I you know I, I used to like doing reviews. I, I love perfume. I used to write like perfume reviews and that kind of stuff for an online website, you know, for a blog. So I thought, well, I've been in touch with Manchester Rocks, I'd done a little search beforehand, before I'd gone to this gig, I wanted to know what was out there, you know, is there, is there a rock scene in Manchester anymore, because it used to be a brilliant one, I mean, that's cool. pretty much what brought me here, never my university, you know, it was a great rock
2: scene Yeah, early, late 80s, early well. to mid 90s, it was incredible in Manchester. I went here
3: in 95, okay. so right in the middle of Manchester and... and oasis was everywhere of and, and it was, so anyway so i'd been in touch with manchester rocks and they mentioned on the website that they were looking for writers they said something like join your team join our team i thought what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So of course I contacted them and, and I spoke to the editor quite a few times. He said, Well yeah, we're looking for people to that love rock, that love writing that can I thought, well I like both those things and I'm going to this gig anyway. Well why don't I write about it for you? So that's exactly what I did. I really immensely enjoyed writing about that and especially this newer band that I was completely, you know, blown away by. I thought people don't know that these bands exist, they're on our doorstep and they should be they played like a tiny crowds, you know, they were like the first band on. Sure. There were hardly anyone there that point but well, this is wrong people need to know about these guys and there must be others like them so that's kind of what got the ball rolling for me and i just started doing more and more and yeah they took me on as like a, a permanent writer i wrote a huge you know huge amount of, of reviews uh, it was meant to be just gig reviews to begin with but then they said well if we send you a list of new albums do you fancy reviewing them okay i'll give it a go Fine. um and all genres i got you know from extreme metal to americana and everything in between. So whether or not it was my cup of tea, it really didn't matter. I enjoyed the challenge. I enjoyed finding interesting things about it. You know, I not the technical side so much. Right. Um, I've actually got a classical background. I was a flautist, you know, when I was a child and growing up. So I, I knew music from that side. And as a fan of rock, so I, I generally wrote my reviews from a very, very personal perspective. Basically, it was how it made me feel, how being at the gig made me feel, what the music sounded like. So that if you weren't there, you could hopefully just really imagine what it would have been like. And I tried to capture that energy in my writing, and hopefully that's what I did. And from there, it just spiraled. You know, I ended up writing for five UK publications at one point, mm-hmm. and then of course the interviews started. So, oh, we do some interviews for us, yeah. And, you know, I've kind of gone from writing to the interviewing side and thought, well, actually, no, I really, really like this. Then I started the YouTube channel, and it was from there that I decided, well, actually, maybe this isn't the way forward. I really want to do something to give a big, big, much bigger boost to the, the rock scene, and particularly the UK rock scene. And that's where my TV show Amped came into it. So
2: that, that's another story. So, uh, well, that, that's, that's great to hear because we are, take a very personal view of, of what we're talking about. You know, it's, it's kind of our experience with these great albums or with these concerts, with these artists that we like to review on our show. Uh, You have to make it personal. You have to tell your side of the story and your experience with it. And working into interviews, that's a lot of fun. I mean, I was going through some of your interviews on Antihero and HRH. you have done some great interviews, but, you know, some real rock and roll heroes. I mean, you got to interview Glenn Hughes right when he was joining the Dead Daisies. You got to interview Phil Campbell between Bastard Sons and doing a, a solo album, which is pretty exciting. You know, Mariah Formica is a cool artist. So, you know, my question now is... Is it more fun for you to kind of help break a new artist that maybe not everybody knows about? Or is it more fun for you to take someone who you've kind of loved your whole life or is kind of a classic artist that it's like, oh man, I always hoped I could talk to that person and now you have.
3: Yeah, I definitely prefer interviewing up-and-coming artists okay. because it's always, you know, a great honour to be able to interview the legends, shall we say, mm-hmm. such as Glenn Hughes. And I had a lovely telephone conversation with him when I was interviewing him. And he did tell me that, he, you know, there were some things there that he, he'd said to me that he'd never mentioned to anybody about his family and mm-hmm. about his mother and all kinds of things. And, and it was absolutely lovely. But... People like that have been interviewed a million times. There's nothing that you can't read about them anywhere online. That's not really that much fun for me. Breaking up new bands, that's what I'm all about. Yeah, I mean, how, how long can you just write about the same sort of people, same bands over and over again? To me, that's not that interesting.
0: I would imagine, too, for the established people starting something new, a solo project or a new band, that would be hard for them because most people interviewing them would just drift back toward the classic stuff. And they're there to talk about the new stuff. I I would think that that's, they would kind of come in with that prejudice. They know that the interviewer is probably going to drift back to what they know. So that's got to be tough for you to kind of convince them. No, no, no. I I know what we're here to do. I know we're here to talk about the new stuff. I'm going to take that forward where the new bands, they're just happy to be there and talk to anybody and are excited that you're
3: showcasing them. Absolutely and the thing you do find sometimes with the more established artists is that they're so used to being interviewed that they sort of have fetched things that they say and ways that they say them and it never really feels like you're getting anything particularly new you know, from them um, that they haven't just told somebody else so, you know, and I I like exclusives if Mm -hmm. the band is going to tell me something, I want to know, I want to be the first to know. Well
0: the other thing too is it it sounds to me like a lot of times when you talk to people that have been doing this for a long time, they don't want to put all the cards on the table, they want to have very canned, like you said, answers where it's like, they can't say anything crazy where, you know, they don't want to guide a moment or they don't want to come off as being arrogant or whatever so you don't really get to talk to a real person you kind of just get a scripted answer from them
3: very much so yeah with some exceptions
0: but that's your job your job is to make them feel comfortable you're not going to talk about anything they don't want to talk about you're not going to ask them anything weird you're going to be respectful and get the message across and then I think if you can break through then you can have a real conversation with them, and especially somebody like you that's a fan of music.
2: So tell me a little bit about Ants. I mean, this is something that you're kind of producing and creating. It sounds like it's pretty exciting for you.
3: Well, you know what? We, we produced... A pilot last november and working with a really good production team a great poet you know editor post-production my host couldn't be better brad Marr from massive uh he, he flew over from germany for it in the middle of the whole pandemic it was amazing and i had loads of press there um, invite a lot of guests we had a great time venue was ideal it was at the waterloo music bar in blackpool and it was a really really good show we We were there all day interviewing the bands, we had live bands, so the audience there was there for a gig basically. And it was just a really nice atmosphere, you know. We had pyrotechnics that the bands weren't expecting, it made them jump, which, you know, it was great. And of course the hard work begins once the pilot's finish in trying to get it commissioned or licensed and that's the most difficult thing
2: but it does seem that festivals are the way to be able to go see new music and and to get in get young bands in front of bigger audiences you say oh these guys are good live put them in front of a big audience you know way down the bill you know maybe they're playing at twelve thirty in the afternoon or something like that but who cares it's an opportunity for them to get their name on posters next to big names some people will be out there and see them, and will discover them. So, I mean, is that part of why you you do a lot of work on the festival scene?
3: Yeah, I really, I really enjoy the festival. Generally, it's great to be able to see them out there. They're, they're very friendly. I don't go, I don't like covering the big festivals. You know, I mean, true, I've never had an invite to cover download, but it's. It's not my thing, you know. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't get that. I like to feel that when I'm at a festival that it's you're surrounded not just by good music, by kind of like a community. You know, the rock community has that. Friendliness about it that I love, and you really sense that when you're at one of the smaller festivals, especially the charity festivals that I've covered, like Sabfest last year. And it was lovely, small festival, good lineup, and it couldn't be nicer people, you know, for a great cause. So uh, I know there's one called Steel Paws, which is in Sheffield later this year that I'm hoping to get to as well. In fact, Sheffield seems to be the the epicenter for festivals. I can name about three or four. Planning on doing this year in Sheffield, so wow. I don't know what it is about the
0: place, but I did read your article about going to the uh, Winters. What was the name? Winters of this? End. Planet Rocks, Winters End. And the good news is, reading the article, I really felt like I was there. And the bad news was, I really felt like I was there. <laughs> yeah, it just it just sounded it's like a it just sounded like a train wreck. But you know, I was I was reading it, and I was thinking. The whole thing must be a massive undertaking for the promoter to, to try and go. put this together. And, and maybe I was going to ask, did you think maybe it was it was a, a venue thing or was it the promoter who really wasn't didn't do their job correctly? Because, I mean, it just sounded like a train. I
3: said a little from column A and a little from column B. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, the venue was completely unsuitable, and it, it would have taken a basic risk assessment to establish that. So how that how how that passed the test for a three day festival, I I don't understand. I don't know. The venue was definitely at fault, um, and the promoter for holding it there. Yeah, you know, you, you, I don't need to repeat what I, I've written. You you mm. read it yourself. You saw how I felt about it. The whole feeling was one of hostility. You know towards me and my assistant, which I don't appreciate Mm -hmm. when I'm covering a festival for free anyways. Well, and
0: especially when you were trying to promote. Like, that's what you were there to do. You
3: were trying to promote. Yeah. If I'm going to a festival, everybody knows about it because it will be on my social media pages. Mm -hmm. It will be on all of them. You know, it will be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And I will promote them. And that's exactly what I did with this one. But it felt very one-sided, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, Planet Rock don't need me to promote them. And I think that's the problem, in a way. When you get... To that size and that level, I think there's a feeling, well, we don't need anybody else. We don't need the press. We don't need good publicity. No one's going to say anything bad about us anyway. We can do what the hell we like. And, you know, as long as they've got their thousands and thousands of people that listen to them and that are willing to go to the events and play and pay money for a subpar experience, then they're not going to worry what they give punters, you know, and think, well, we'll get away with it and that's if I, right. you know, so. It's not so, fine, of course, but
0: That didn't that didn't sound like a like the best experience on the face of the earth. So let me ask you, what is the best festival you've ever been to? Ooh. Gosh, big one.
3: No, there's been a few. SOS Festival was one of my favourites. That's in Manchester, so nice and local for me, which is lovely. They're actually changing venues this year. They had to cancel the last the last few years. They always have a really good lineup. They have two stages. They put on a lot of the well-known, should we say, new wave, classic rock bands, but also some, some different, you know, something a little bit different, which I like. You know, you're know, you not gonna get exactly the same line up there as all the other festivals. And that's a really nice one. Very nice environment and you know, I'm hoping the new venue, which is Whittles and Oldham, I'm hoping that the new venue for this year will be as good as the last. But it's an, a well-run festival, should we say. You know, there's a press room there. and uh, There's enough tables, you know, each each press, each journalist's got a table to themselves, which is very nice. I, I, I brought my kids there once. i <laughs> it's very family friendly one okay. as well, which is probably And then, you know, they set up a chessboard in the press room and happily playing chess while I was interviewing. How about so that? It, it really yeah, a really, really nice attitude from the organisers. And that's what you want. You know, they had somebody in charge of, of organising the actual interviews for you so you didn't have to do that in advance. You know, with some festivals oh, you sort of organise nice. them beforehand and then you're not sure where you're gonna be able to actually interview them and it's it's quite it can be quite difficult or, or what time but it's, it's run very well at SOS, you know, there's somebody there to sort of liaise between the bands and the, the journalists and whatnot, so I think that'd be one of my favourites. Um, and there's a few others, and there's a few that I'm, I'm going to be covering for the first time this year. Heretic Fest is one I'm really looking forward to, and it's one that I mentioned uh, in Sheffield. Again, a three-day festival This so very ambitious, really Great lineup. Very excited to cover that one. And then there's others, as smaller ones as Bradstock and Bradford, and Stone Dead is another one. Really enjoyed covering.
2: Tell me, I mean, being Americans, we would hear about Donington. Back in the day You know When it was Monsters of Rock Now it's kind of The download festival But you know Glastonbury has been Going on for more Than 50 years And it's it's kind of Turned into this Small little thing In the field With a pyramid To really the, the Enormous showcase That it is today And you look at The names on there I mean yes you, You'll see the Headliners like Paul McCartney Billie Eilish Kendrick Lamar But look down The list And there's all Sorts of amazing Bands there I don't know if They have it lined Up every day Quite yet But I mean Have you ever gone to any of those huge ones at all over the years
3: not donnington but yes glastonbury mm-hmm. and the last time i went to glastonbury was in 94 and that's also the last time i ever camped. <laughs> <So laughs> i don't do camping anymore <laughs> i don't blame yeah, you 94 is known for having a great lineup so i was really glad that i did glastonbury that year beautiful weather and i had the smallest tent in the field which i borrowed from a friend <laughs> no, no facilities yeah i like my luxuries a bit more these days but yeah that that was a really good experience so. Right. <coughs> hey, this is Anna Stella, and you're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London
2: Rock <coughs> On social media, you definitely have a glamorous rock and roll presence. Between your beautiful colored hair and all the cool rock outfits you bring, you fit the mold of a rock journalist. But also, you know, someone <laughs> you don't you don't want to mess with backstage, right? You better be on the level with this woman, or you know, well, she's not going to take yeah,
3: it. Yeah, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> i'm going for so uh, yeah <laughs> i'm glad it comes across Absolutely. well and i
0: think that i think that probably helps too with with again well like we were talking about before making people comfortable with talking to you if you look the way that you do they feel like you are you're a fan and you're kind of part of the world you know if you walk in there in a suit and tie i'm sure they're thinking oh geez here's yeah what's this guy all about i mean it, it's fun to look like that but i think it also helps to to kind of let people know what you're all about that you're that you're there to look at them from a from a like a fan's perspective uh, or someone who appreciates music
3: yeah i think i think you're, you're you know spot on i mean image is important whether you know whether it's professional image whether it's the band's image well, you know, it's important. and um, I like to look like I'm in the right job, shall we say. More Apart from that, I love dressing up. I love everything I wear. So, you know, you don't get much chance really to wear that sort of stuff walking the dog. So, uh, yeah, That's when right. I go out, when I go to the festivals, I like, I like to bring my festival gear with me and...
2: And <laughs> that's it. What about bands? I mean, talk to me about, you know, and I know you say, you, you know, we moved to Manchester in 94. A lot of that Brit pop was very popular. Like you say, Oasis were about to take over the world around that time. And and no. I'm a huge Oasis fan. I feel like you can't really understand the Oasis experience as an American. That they're The, the experience mm-hmm. is not the same because it just as far as culturally what was going on in the UK during that time, with like the end of Thatcherism and the rise of some more liberal politicians, creating a new scene that was very British. It's not just like, what's America doing? Okay, we'll do the same thing. No, this is something that was yours, that people could take pride in again. Young people were kind of hearing, having their voices heard. At time film and music and fashion and politics was all kind of going the UK's way because yes, oasis were popular in america yes they sold some records but not nearly on the same level there was just another band of that 90s era whereas in the uk they're the new beatles they're the lovely lads they're the people who really made people proud to be english again and so can and particularly
3: you particularly if you happen to be living in manchester at the time i bet <laughs> I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing oasis track and I went there as a, a metal, I love metal, rock, goth, all that stuff, so to me it was like, mm, do I like this? I'm not sure, you know, and it was all like, blur, or Oasis at that time, so if you were from London, it was more likely to be blur, and if you're from, you know, Manchester, I'd gone from London to Manchester, but as soon as, you know, Oasis was everywhere, like I said, and as soon as I, I kind of got into them, I thought, oh yeah, these are amazing, these guys, this band is just, Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, now, if I listen to Oasis, it just takes me right back to that time, to 95, 96. And, and, you know, hearing them, I'd go into the student union for my lunch, Oasis and playing. It was was an amazing time. It really was. And and you got that real sense walking around Manchester. There's a real spirit. Do you know what I mean? Like an atmosphere. And and it was phenomenal. I loved it.
2: Yeah. Sorry I missed it, you know. uh, Because, uh, (laughs) well, seriously, you know, because honestly, I didn't get into Oasis right away. Jackson and I, our tastes run a little older anyway, right? We, we kind of like music from the 60s and 70s, even though we grew up mostly in the 80s and the 90s. And so if people our age like stuff in the 90s, um, I, I was suspect of it. But I'm like, you're the reason there was new kids on the block, people. I, I don't want to know what you like now, okay? I, you, you're suspect. I'll just go back and listen to the Stones from the 70s. I'll listen to Led Zeppelin. I'll listen to Black Sabbath. But then eventually when I got into them, I'm like, well, Oasis are brilliant. Why weren't they bigger in America? And they were, but nothing like they were in the UK.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's so many differences between over there and us over here, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of, what's popular, and what is, I mean, I know you've got bands, UK bands that are bigger over there than they were in England, That's so, right. yeah, I mean, who, who can sort of say what the reason is for that, who knows, it's one of those things, it that
2: is. we'll never know. So, tell me about some bands that, that you're digging these days, you know, I was fortunate enough to see a Canadian band oh, called okay. the Sheepdogs, when they came to London here recently, that was fun, it's fun to, to find new young bands who are, who are Great to see live. Who who can you turn us on to that maybe we might not know about?
3: Do you know what? There's so many that I'm just reluctant to give you any names for fear of of missing somebody else out. Uh, You know, when you're put on the spot. Think you'll say something and then afterwards think, oh I, I should have said that and I don't want to make that mistake. Fair enough. So I would just say have a look at any of the lineup on any of the festivals that I'm covering this year. And they are all really good bands. I mean okay, well I say all. All the ones that I've heard of that I know are really good, you know, and they are definitely worth checking out. Why don't you just, just
2: tell us remind us of all the uh, all the I festivals mean, that you're going to this year that you're lined up for. Join I've got play. Road
3: Rage coming up really soon so that's in sheffield at the corporation that's got tyler's Dogs More on it and it's got gorilla riot on it and i would go just for them so yeah uh revival black brilliant band from liverpool i mean the band that i just did the, sorry the festival i've just been to it had some great bands like bastet and i know she's doing a lot of festivals this year um and scarlet rebels who just had their album go into the, the uk charts at number 10. so yeah there is all brilliant bands howling tides as well i know i said i wasn't going to mention them so i'm going to mention them all now <laughs> uh, anchor a, who i managed to meet and interview when well, i've interviewed them before but actually meet in the flesh for the first time last weekend it, a brilliant band from, from scotland and some amazing bands coming out of wales You've got, like, Florence Black and a load of of, of others that I've discovered. Um, So, yeah, Road Range coming up. Then you've got the Rock and Roll Outlaw Weekend. Now, this is a really, really nice uh, festival at the Globe in Glossop. It's not the easiest to get to, but when you get there, you can be assured of a warm welcome. You know, it's one of those really friendly festivals that I, I love. Then there's Bradstock. Which I've, I think is the first one. I think it's the inaugural Bradstalker in Bradford. I've not heard too much about it lately, but I'm been assured it is going ahead. So that's the first of May. Okay. Um, I think it's just a one-day festival. Again, really good lineup there. I mean, you see a lot of these festivals, the lineups do overlap. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, you know, because all festivals want the, the bands that are doing great, and you know, they will are. So um, you know, you've got bands like Hollow Star playing some of them, and um, you know, they're one of my favourite bands as well at the moment. Have been for a while. Um, Heretic Fest I mentioned that's yep. in Sheffield, and then SOS is in July, North Manchester. Stone Dead in August, at the end of August, and you've got Rock Witch, which I think is the same weekend, which makes it difficult for me because I've covered both these festivals before. Uh-oh. but to do them both at the same weekend is hard. <laughs> it's hard going. That's a big ask. So yeah, I, I think I, you know I sort of alternate one year do Stone Dead, one do Rock Witch, something like that, but. Yeah, very, very different festivals. Rock witch is indoors from what I remember. I think they might have an outdoor acoustic bit the night before. I'm not quite sure, but um, really good festival, Really nice, nicely organised Rock witch. Uh Rocking the Bowl is one that I'm going back to this year. Yeah, that's great. Um, a lot of people seem to be cottoning on to to rocking the ball really nice or really well organized a uh, lot of volunteers
2: well i was just going to say what's interesting to me is when we spoke earlier because you yeah. did you just you, you did kind of rip winters end for for not being the ideal venue and for not being welcoming not only to fans, but to the journo's who are backstage. You would think after putting that out there, a, a lot of people like, all right, well, let's make sure she doesn't come to our festival. But it's been kind of the opposite, haven't yeah. you? hasn't it? It's like people yeah. are like, oh, let's get her to our festival to talk to the bands, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah I was
3: going to mention that actually, because within a, a day or so of that article being published, I had um, invitations from the organizers about four or five festivals. I know Legend, Legends of Rock who had their festival at the same time as Winter's End. So they've invited me next year, Breaking Bands Fest, Shark Fest, Winter Storm. There may have been one or two others. You know, those are the ones that stick in my mind now. But like I say, I'm fully booked for this year. I just can't, I don't take on anymore. My, my dog will just own me. Right. I can't, can't stay away that. Much that long Um, but it's so nice of them to invite me and you know they all wrote to me and said well we can we can give you this we can give you that and i'm thinking you know i don't need red cover i don't don't need any luxury it's just you know somewhere where you feel welcome and where the festival goers are given a good experience that's what i consider a a good festival and those are the kind i want to cover
0: a little bit of luxury wouldn't hurt though
3: yeah it wouldn't hurt would it yeah
0: you you mentioned in your article about how these bands especially up and coming bands who are just trying to get noticed are not going to say anything about the conditions because they can't oh, no. and so it's it's nice that you can have a voice and point things out where you think you know that need improvements to improve not only your experience the fans experience and these bands experience also
3: absolutely and you know people talk other members of the press talk i consider these events in a way as a networking thing for press, because you're all there. Usually, only when things are bad. Mind when things are good, people are too too having too much fun to compare. <laughs> you know, and you can tell uh, how you know how things are going. But absolutely with the bands, and of course, I talk to them. Like most of the bands I interview, I I know. I've spoken to them, uh, or even the ones I haven't. I am certainly you know I get on with them all, and I I feel like I've got this sort of instant rapport. Once we chatted for a couple of minutes, that's it. <laughs> you know, best friends. So, so yeah, they will tell me things. I'm like, well, that's not quite right, and you shouldn't feel like that, and you know. But they would never say anything, and they won't because they can't. You know, the last thing they want is to be. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of them, and especially the bands I interview, the more less established ones, you know, the newer bands. I think they feel almost that they're powerless. What can they do or say? You'll go, you'll see on their Facebook page up and then, oh, thanks to blah blah blah, putting us on. And it's the same every time. I think he, all these bands can't have such a great experience yeah i mean you know if, if the crowd really digs them and they have a really good reception and that's great and that's i'm guessing the most important thing from their point of view but that doesn't mean that that's where their good experience needs to end for them they should have an all round positive experience in the event whether or not they're being paid or not you know by the by the promotions unpick on there you know the whole merch thing is another issue you know it came up on twitter recently that some festivals and some venues are, and promoters are charging 25 on not just profits from merch but on the total sales and the ch- and the way that they're managing to do this from what i can gather is by putting one of their own staff there to sell it and I say well we're providing somebody for you to to sell your stuff therefore you know we will take a cut but i say to the fans well Are you, you know, are you given a choice? Does the venue say to you, well, we can provide somebody and take a cut or we'll allow you to sell your own merch and not take a cut? They say, well, no, we're not given that choice. So it's not a real choice, is it? So um, there's a lot of things that aren't right, but yeah. Same thing, you know, very few bands will say anything about it. And if they do, it, if, if you know they're not happy about the situation, it will still be very hush-hush. They won't come out publicly and say, oh, well, this is what happened to me.
2: Do you want to tell people where they can see your articles or where to follow you on social media, where to find out where you're going?
3: Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, do I, do I even know what my own social media platform's like? Well... I'm at Anastella Anastella, uh, Rocks or Anastella Rock on Twitter and Instagram and underscore Estella underscore rocks. (laughs) I'm there. I'm on on Facebook, Estella. My articles are currently in AMP, which is myampmusic.co, I believe. There you go. And... Yeah, I, I, I'm, on, I'm on social media quite a lot. Probably too often, too much, too much. <laughs> there was a time when I didn't do social media, and, and now I can't live without it, So, uh, which I guess is the case for a lot of people in this business. And bands, I'll, I'll try and tag a band in something on Twitter, and I can't find them, and I'll contact them. Your twitter handle oh well we don't do twitter like, get on there
2: that's a bad idea yeah. yeah absolutely well no we we've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you here this afternoon this morning for jackson Thank you. And, and wish you all the luck not only with your your career here but you know with all these festivals that you're going to make sure you don't four inches deep in mud in those four inch heels uh, that, that would make it really hard <laughs> to get around um, i've been lucky so far i've
3: been lucky it's always been dry whenever i've come to a festival boiling hot yeah but dry so I uh, can't complain too much about that. I'm hoping next time I'll speak to you to have some news about AMP, that I'll have a nice sponsor and I'll have a ah. TV station to put it on. Well, excellent. <laughs> but that's my focus now. That's my main focus, yeah, getting that out there.
2: Well, all the best, and thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you for having me. Well, great chatting to you, too. Really, it really has been lovely. Thank
0: you so much. Yeah, thanks for your
3: time. It, is, it restores my faith that there are some good people in this industry, you know, talking to well, guys like you. you.
0: Thank you for thinking that we're in the industry. Yeah. I appreciate that.
2: Or that we're good people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's <too. laughs> it.
2: Well, that wraps up quite the 70th show for us here on the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast with two amazing women in rock, Amanda Lehman, who we know from the show for a little while here, amazing musician, songwriter, ranger, singer, talent, uh, who has that new song out, One Last Spin, and also Anastella, a new friend of the show, rock journalist, who's out there living the life and trying to get attention for the bands and the festivals that she likes, that she cares about, that treats the fans and the bands with respect, and so we encourage you to go to any shows out there that she's attending and covering this year. As usual, folks, as we wrap this up, we want to know, do we get something right? Do we get something wrong? Do we miss the point? Please let us know. you got to tweet us at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72. DM us. Let us know the bands, the albums, the concerts, the DVDs, the rock properties you want us to cover. Please make sure and subscribe and download anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Amazon, Google Play. Good Pods has been very good to us lately. And check out all of our friends at the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can go to pantheonpodcast.com or at Pantheon Pods. A lot of amazing shows, and we're really proud to be a part of that. Now, next week, we're going to get a little bit into our reunion. Yes, Jackson was here in London with me for about a day and then a little bit of another day. He's really with his family, but... We got to have a blast running around London checking out rock and roll legendary homes and buildings and haunts and places where the old school rockers that you hear us talk about on the show frequented and partied at and lived at over the decades. We had a lot of fun with that. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about The Genesis show I got to see. I got to see the second to last show of Genesis Career here in London at the O2. A lot of it was great. Some of it was sad. I'm going to get into all of that on the show with Jackson here next week. So until then, all you rock and rollers all around the world, be cool and stay safe. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get
3: you taken care of.
2: With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band.
0: Next up for lead guitar... (laughs)